Hello, and thanks for streaming The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. This is a fortnightly look at the technologies that are going to affect our lives in, there is a clue in the title, The Near Future. Today, I'm going to look at education again. This time, young people and what's happened to their data literacy. I'm pleased this episode to welcome someone who's done some research among 3,000 16 to 21 year olds in the UK, the US and Germany. Some of the headline findings include that young adults don't think their education has given them the confidence and skills to use or communicate data. Businesses today struggle to get their employees to effectively manage and act upon their data with de-natives as the report calls them, digital natives, data natives, we can come on to that in a second, not rating themselves high in data literacy. And closing the data literacy gap is essential in shaping major roles in the future careers of young people, not to mention shaping our society for the better. My guest is the Global Market Intelligence Lead at Exasol, Helena Schwenk. Welcome. Thanks, Guy. Thanks for the intro and great to be here. Perhaps you could uh, start off by telling us a little bit about Exasol. Exasol is a leading analytics database company. We're really interested in this topic around education of young people and and data literacy because we believe the ability to analyse data, to do clever things with data such as identify patterns and turn them into insights is becoming one of the key skills in the data-led economy. Yes, of course. I think also as a technology company, there's got to be a certain level of, uh, you know, this is your future you're talking about as a corporate entity. You've got to have those educated people. And that's not a criticism. It's just a fact. I think we've, you know, it's going to take us forward. And your report suggests, I believe, that education has not gone 100% right for uh, people in the data space. So could you perhaps give me an idea of what it says and uh, where education is not perhaps serving them as it could do? We conducted this survey because we wanted to understand these crucial issues. We wanted to understand the level of data use by young people, their experiences of data, perceptions around data literacy, and also their attitudes towards data-related careers. And what we are seeing in our research is actually there's a bit of a disconnect between what young people believe is important in terms of data skills and experience, and what's actually happening in the educational system. Indeed, the majority of 16 to 21-year-olds we surveyed want data skills to be more prominent in their education and their learning, but they don't feel their courses, the topics, and certain aspects of the curriculum have given them the confidence and skills to use data in the way that they want to in the future. We actually um, spoke to a teacher as part of our research, uh, Ferdinand Dopel, who's head of economics and business in a UK secondary school. And his view was very interesting. You know, he said that data skills for his pupils tend to be focused or grounded in maths and stats and and computer science. That's definitely the perception by many of his students. And he did believe that, of course, those subjects are very important. But actually, 
uh, when we think about data and data skills, it's more than that. It's actually about cultivating a full range of data skills, the ability to interpret data, to draw insights from that data, to tell stories, but also to ask the right questions from that data. So it requires lots of curiosity and creativity. That makes a so, lot of sense. Now, I, I noticed that your report classifies uh, young people as D-natives. Is that data natives or digital natives? So we've all heard of digital natives, Indeed. you know, those young people who have little or no memory of the world as it existed before <laughs> smartphones. So D-natives is actually Exosol's twist on this term. Mm -hmm. And in the context of this research, the D refers to data natives. So they've not only grown up as digital natives, but also in a data-driven world. Okay, let me put a point to you. I'm wondering whether we haven't, as a generation, been a bit guilty of taking that for granted. As you say, people who are now in their 20s, have, um, they haven't grown up in a world without smartphones. So we call them digital natives. I accept the data natives uh, term as very, being a useful one. But have we perhaps thought they just know this by themselves, almost by osmosis or something, rather than taking the trouble to teach it? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot of assumptions built into the skills and education and learning of this generation, of this age range. They are native to mobiles, to, to apps, to technology than older generations, for example. So it's not necessarily a stretch to assume that D-natives are confident and have some of the necessary skills and data competencies for some of the things that are expected in a future world of work, whether that's uh, effective data analysis, whether it's storytelling, whether it's about being able to visualize data and pull out key trends and patterns and outline uh, outliers. And what's interesting to us really is that our survey recognized that the connection that D-natives have to data isn't necessarily as hardwired as you would expect. So, for example, they didn't fully realize that a lot of their everyday online activities involve a lot of data capture, analysis, and uh, consumption behind the scenes, you know, whether they're using fitness trackers, for example, or whether they're being served up recommendations on, on, on their iPhones or, or mobile devices. So the rub really is that the experience with tech and, and being born into a data-driven world doesn't necessarily mean that the D-natives that we spoke to feel fully equipped to translate this experience into data skills and, and data literacy in the real world, in the world of work. Do you want to sound as confident as my interviewee in this episode? If you talk to the press or other media, are you worried you'll be misquoted, or they'll just publish their story and not yours? Clapperton Media Associates can help with coaching. Drop me a note, guy at clapperton.co.uk. 
and we'll arrange a time for an exploratory call. Now, back to the podcast. I'm wondering if we have uh, an issue here where a load of sort of what we might call digital emigres or data emigres, my sort of age, as people in their 50s and, you know, a bit below, are trying to manage these D-natives, um, but uh, we're giving supplying them with our expectations rather than where they actually are. Is that something in there that do you think? Well, yeah, I think um, it's an interesting discussion to add. And I should also (laughs) say that that's my sort of age too. So I'm in a similar position. But I think there's been extensive studies carried out by a lot of uh, research organisations that have defined uh, workplace behaviours and attitude based on on uh, different segments of the population. And we call them baby boomers, Gen X, right the way through to digital natives, and we call them D-natives. And I think it's uh, not necessarily as clear cut to say that everything comes down to what generation you belong to and the skills and the attitudes and behaviours that you may display So interestingly, when we looked at the survey data, being in charge, leading a team, making decisions were not the key drivers for young people. The vast majority, um, around 65%, made it clear that they actually want to learn those new skills Uh, specifically around data, and gain new experiences. And this rated higher than actually earning a lot of money. What what were the numbers like? How many young people did actually identify as data literate? I mean, we, we have to talk about age. They are the future. Yeah, I'm sure. So this was actually an interesting one in our research. 54% were either not that familiar or not at all familiar with the term data literacy. So you could assume by that that they weren't necessarily identifying as data literate. However, the majority actually feel skilled in finding information, almost three in five respondents felt skilled in problem solving and over half felt skilled in asking questions and presenting an argument through data. So to us, this suggests that the connection of these skills that I've I've mentioned to being data literate is not straightforward. You know, young people's perception of what it is to be data literate is potentially quite blurry. And the term is one that isn't universally understood by uh, young people. That's an interesting point. Um, I'm not a young person except at heart, of course. Uh, but I'm thinking through the uh, the term data literate. If you'd ask me, can I uh, find something on Google? The answer is yes, of course. Now, by the definition we might bandy around, that could mean I'm data literate. If someone were to give me um, a whole bunch of Excel spreadsheets and say, could you please uh, build up some analytics based on this and throw in some big data, guess who's the biggest data illiterate on the planet? What exactly do you mean by data illiterate when you're asking these questions? 
For us, it's about being able to work fluently with data. It's about being able to read data, interpret data, but also to communicate data in your everyday working lives and also personal lives. That's what constitutes a data literate person. But I think it's also important to add that there are different levels of data literacy, as you've just explained. And what we're thinking about is that we need to raise the levels of, of data literacy. And, you know, this survey is definitely giving us an indication of that. And we need to raise it so there is a sort of minimum standard. Now, not everyone needs to be professional in terms of their use of data. Not everyone needs to be a data storyteller, but we need to help young people feel comfortable with the skills and concepts around data so they can use it effectively. I wonder if there's a confidence uh, or indeed self-identification issue here, though. You you may well find, and I don't know whether you have the data, and I'm not criticising if you haven't, uh, but uh, you could be talking to a number of young people who will say they don't have a clue about data, but they'll be using uh, Google or other search engines, you know, Bing is available, every day of their lives to find stuff. Yeah, so I think, you know, data literacy, as we're talking about here, is a term that's grown up in business environments. And we've seen a lot of a lot of it in industry research as well, you know, to underline that need for more and more people to be fluent using data. And I think what our survey is highlighting is that this term, this terminology has not necessarily translated into a non-work environment or an educational uh, setting, for example, so that many of the young people we spoke to don't really identify with that term, but perhaps they're demonstrating behaviours they have experienced that would be contrary to to that. You've got a bunch of young people um, who, if your uh, sample is representative, I don't identify as being terribly data literate, uh, rightly or wrongly, but they don't feel confident in putting themselves forward in that way. What's the impact likely to be on society and business, would you say? Well, I would just say there are plenty of positives <laughs> to being a, a, a D native. You know, we believe that Many of the young people that we surveyed, many young people generally, will be our future data champions. You know, they're not only going to be using data and analytics in, you know, their future work to help businesses solve different data challenges, but also these skills can help tackle some of our biggest challenges, you know, such as climate change, uh, vaccine discovery or health inequalities. And our research suggests that people and young people in particular are really interested in this. And this is an important part of their future view. So 65% of respondents said it was important that they work they do is actually going to make a difference to the wider society. So I do believe the appetite is there, but perhaps the path to get there isn't always uh, clear. And I 
do think that, you know, with better education, with better awareness, with better training and development around data and data literacy, you can create uh, a better uh, and more affluent data-driven culture, really, because it's easy to say you're data-driven if the data supports your decision-making, but it's also equally as important to understand if the data doesn't support your decision. So the ability to question data, it's provenant, and its value is really important. So I think this whole concept of data literacy and identifying with it and being able to raise data literacy levels is really important. Another area I'd like to look at uh, is uh, whether you uh, have any data on uh, from the survey on uh, the, the different demographics and how they felt about being data literate, whether you had anything on gender or perhaps ethnic ethnicity. Well, we do have some not on ethnicity, but we do have some interesting findings when it comes to uh, gender, um, the split between male and female. So our research suggests that there are different views about competencies around data. So around 19% of young females in our our survey strongly agreed that they were capable of working with data. But this is in comparison to 26% of young males. So there is a confidence level perhaps there as well. And meanwhile, more than half of males, so around 55% of males, see working with data as forming a major part of their career going forward. And this is compared with just 48% of females. And I think this feeds into a, a wider debate around diversity in the tech industry uh, as well. And we know that this is, is a problem. You know, disciplines such as data science, for example, research that I'm reading do suggest that um, many women do not feel they have a good understanding of what a data science career is and what the day-to-day life of a data scientist would entail. And this very much complements some of the things that we're finding in our research too. I was rather hoping some of that would have gone away by uh, 2021, but apparently not. And uh, you're doing the right thing to highlight it, of course. Do we have any ideas? Is it actually your role to uh, put ideas forward uh, as to what we can do about this, and it, it, it's you as Exosol, not uh, not you as uh, Helena. Yes, <laughs> I would definitely think this is. I'm about... sure Helena has very strong opinions. <laughs> well, as a, you know, I am a woman in tech, and you know, as I've alluded to, I'm not a D native, and I definitely believe we're in a better place. You know, I have seen a lot of progress over the decades, but more needs to be done. You know, I started in the tech industry. And as a female, I was the exception. I was one of only a 
a handful of females on my degree course that focused on computing and information systems. So I do believe, you know, we can contribute to this discussion and raise the awareness about the need for more diversity in tech and in data-related careers. But when we talk about diversity, it's not just about gender, you know, also looking at race and age. Um, And there are plenty of good reasons why you might want to broaden the diversity of your teams and your organization. Because as we know, as a lot of research backs up, people with different backgrounds and experiences often see the same problem in very different ways and therefore can come up with different solutions, different ways to tackle this. And as I've explained, this is going to be really important as we become more data-driven as businesses, but as we try and tackle those really big problems that are challenging businesses and society, such as climate change, such as, you know, drug discovery and so on and so so forth. But I also believe there's, you know, a really good case for it. (laughs) There's a really good business case for having more diversity because diverse leadership teams for example, can lead to better innovation within organizations. And this can be aligned to improved financial performance. Yes. And also, of course, you get to choose your talent from a whole talent pool rather than just the ones that look like you because they subconsciously make you feel comfortable. And that's got to be a good thing. So finally, could you tell me how people can find out more about Exosol and uh, what you do? Yes, of course. So if you're interested in the survey and the research report that I've referenced, uh, then please do take a look at the datadreamer.com website. You'll find the report there and lots of really interesting interviews and insights about D-natives. And if you're interested in connecting with me, then I'm on social media (laughs) so you can connect in uh, the usual way. Eleanor Schwenk, Global Market Intelligence Lead at Exosol, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening. That was The Near Futurist with me, Guy Clapperton. As always, I'll be back in two weeks' time. Thank you. Thank you.